Welcome to the Podcast Review Show, hosted by radio veteran Eric K. Johnson from PodcastTalentCoach.com and Hall of Fame podcaster Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. Dave and Eric help you identify those things you are doing right so you can do more of those and lose those things that don't deliver value to your audience. Join in on the conversation at podcastreviewshow.com. All right, welcome to the Podcast Review Show. I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting.com. This is one of those Where Are They Now episodes. And tonight I'm here with Eric K. Johnson from the Podcast Talent Coach and Jason from the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. Did I get that right? You did. Okay, which you can find at spondypodcast.com. And the last time we touched base, it was October 2019. And tonight, we're just here to touch base with you and uh, see how things are going, see what's been working, see what's not been working. And Eric, uh, you all ready for a, a nice little touch base here? Absolutely. And I'm glad you got to say the name of the show and not me. <laughs> the last time we reviewed Jason's show, we he just kept calling it the show yeah. because we can't say the name of it. <laughs> Jason, thanks for being here, bud. Tell us a little bit about the show and what it's about. So those that may not have heard us a year ago, bring them up to speed on, on the episodes. There's a disease. It's And there's some changes going on in the actual description of the disease. But there's a disease called ankylosing spondylitis. And it causes inflammation and eventual fusing in your hips, your spine, your neck, your rib cage. It can affect anywhere where you have ligaments, cartilage, anywhere in your body. I was diagnosed at around 14, had symptoms starting off when I was about 10. I'm 50 now. While I was diagnosed at age 14, I didn't meet the first person with ankylosing spondylitis besides me until I was 26, I think. So for that whole period, I was just out there adrift alone, figuring you just do what you do. Now you're a young guy. You don't think a whole lot about it, but you dealt with it. So about a year and a half ago or so, I started the show and Glenn Hebert had always told me, niche down, your hunting podcast is too broad. I niche down about as much as I could. <laughs> and I had the equipment sitting here and I just said one day, I said, I'm going to record a few episodes. I don't know if anybody will listen. And I'll, I had everything here, so why not? I figured I'd get it off my chest at worst case scenario. We started recording the show. Stopped after about eight or nine episodes to see if anybody would listen and say, hey, what happened to you? Where'd you go? I started getting feedback and I'm like, people are listening. You see those download numbers come in. And for me, I was getting 10, 11 downloads some days, 30 downloads another, two downloads a day after that. Okay, those are people listening, but there's really no context to that until you actually start to hear from them. Well, I know on the episode we reviewed, that was one of the cool things is somebody had actually sent you some email that said, holy cow, where's this podcast been? I thought I was the only person that was going through that. And so has that continued? If you, it sounds like you're still getting feedback and. You know, people- I do. I get a lot of feedback. And if you look at spondypodcast.com, you'll actually see, I worked with my web developer to set it up so that it, I think it kind of rotates through, or you can rotate through some of the feedback that I've received. And I put that up there, not to brag, Oh, look what I got. I put it up there because I wanted third parties that had written. And so somebody else that looked at it says, man, that's what I was feeling. I didn't know 
this is other people are feeling this because they can hear me say about it in the show. But when they can read what other people are writing, I, I just think that's very powerful to help them identify and I don't want to use the word feel better, but I, I'm lost for what other way to say it. You just don't feel alone. Yeah. You don't feel stranded. You don't feel isolated. You know, so many people think that niching down narrows your your audience and that you reach fewer people when you niche down because it it sounds logical. Like I, if when I make the topic smaller and narrower, I reach fewer people, but it actually makes your content so much more powerful because the people that it does reach say, man, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is just what I need. And they become raving fans rather than the superficial consumers of the show. You know, every new podcaster I think I've talked to is pretty much delusional, me included. You release that first show and you think, man, I'm going to smoke Joe Rogan's numbers with this. I'm, you know, and then reality smacks you upside the head when your first week you've had six downloads. You're like, what is going on? Where is these? How come I'm not getting six downloads a second? And you don't realize that creating the show is really like 5% of the whole process. Absolutely. 10% if you want to be generous. 90% of it is telling people, in every form or facet that this show exists. And I took school of podcasting and that's where I really started to hammer it down. And one, and of course, every rule that Dave said, don't do, I broke and I did it. <laughs> and not because I'm a trendsetter, but because I'm stubborn. <laughs> and one of the things is, there's a whole thing about discussion. I remember going back about naming your show. Don't put the name podcast in your show keep it. So what do I do? I name it the ankylosing spondylitis podcast. <laughs> but the thought process was that anybody that Googles ankylosing spondylitis podcast is going to find me. Whereas if I titled it Jason's journey or whatever, that really didn't explain. I wanted it to be the broadest for search terms. Now that's not great if you have a tennis podcast and you name it tennis you're just not gonna get found the good but the good thing you didn't do there was you didn't call it the as podcast even though some people shorten it for that name you've got the full name there so like you said it's going to be great for search what i always joke with is i might not get joe rogan downloads by default there are no other active ankylosing spondylitis podcasts so i'm number one in my market (laughs) perfect there you go That's exactly what you needed. So I love it. I go tell everybody, I got the number one podcast in my niche. Jason, when we talked to you roughly a year ago, was there any advice we gave you that you really put into effect that that helped you over the past year? Yeah. One of the things that we had talked about was show notes. Mm -hmm. And then in listening to both of your podcasts, respectively, I started really focusing on upping the podcast notes, upping the notes. (laughs) I started using otter.ai. Gets about 85% of everything correct. Some stuff, you'll read it and you're going, I said what? (laughs) Um, And you have to go back and listen to it again to figure out what you really said. But I liked it. And so I ended up just signing up for a year. I figured it's well worth the 80, 90 bucks, whatever it is, to use it for the year. On top of that, as I've continued to release the episodes, I did talk with a, a sponsor that kind of went by the wayside from my own stupidity and lack of, you don't do business with a handshake, lesson learned. 
But outside of that, my local paper did a story on the show and it was really positive and really good. And that caught the eye of a lady that's a journalist with the Journal of Pain Management, I think is the title, or Pain Management Journal, something like that. And she did a story on Ankylosing Spondylitis, the podcast, everything of that nature. And I was interviewed by a podcast out of Australia, of all places. As far as being asked to be on different shows I'm, or different platforms for exposure, it's been fantastic. That's nice. awesome. I remember when we talked about your show notes, they were not necessarily good or bad, just inconsistent. I remember there was one episode that was really detailed and one that was just kind of superficial notes and something like that. So it's good to hear that, that they're coming along and benefiting you and, and I was drawing some attention. Was there uh, anything that we recommended where we were just completely off the rails and, and it didn't work for you? No, because thinking back on it, I remember taking the notes and going, I need to implement this and this. And I did that. Uh, I think one of the things we talked about was just overall like branding of the show. Yeah. And I, you and Dave both are so different in that where Dave's, I don't want ever want anybody to think I'm trying to sell them something. And you're giving us the real way to try and, and market the show, Eric. And so I said, I've always taken the Dave approach to, gee, shucks, if you want to go here and look at this, yeah. it's great. But if you don't, okay. And so finally I said, okay, I, I listened to, and I don't remember, I apologize. I don't remember which numbers they were, but I listened to a couple of your episodes, Eric. And I said, okay. So I sat down and I said, what would a show pitch sound like? Not here's what my show is, but welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. And do I want to do those ads up front? Do I want to do them as an end roll, mid roll? And so I've just still maybe, what are we, eight months from the review? I'm still playing with, I haven't found what works best as far as I noticed that if I do a pre-roll, those seem to work. I seem to get more benefit from people going to the website to sign up for the newsletter. That was another thing we I integrated with starting a newsletter and it's called the I'll send it out whenever I feel like sending an out newsletter because <laughs> I never wanted to commit to a specific, here's a quarterly newsletter or whatever. And they get a sign up welcome from me. Thanks for signing up. And then, oh, once a quarter or so, whenever I feel like it, I'll get a message out to them with something going on. The last one was probably more detailed talking about medical issues with ankylosing spondylitis. The one before that was a picture of my new service dog. So they're going to be all over the place. Yeah. Dave's always of the, of the opinion that, Hey, you don't have to make money with your podcast. It's cool. If you just want to podcast as a hobby, have at it. And I'm of the belief that if you can make a little money from your podcast, why not? <laughs> Let's get at it. Yeah. <laughs> but I use Dave as an example a lot because I knew Dave for, I don't usually use Dave's name. I just use the the story as an example, but I'd known <laughs> Dave for about six months and he mentioned his book and I'm like, what? You have a book? And he's, oh yeah, it's called uh, more money podcast or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, how do I not know you have a book? Like we've known each other for six months and he's like, yeah, I don't mention it. I don't talk about it very much. <laughs> I'm like, how do you expect people to buy it then? Yeah. Why do you have it? The thing I've changed is I remember once I was talking to somebody about my show and they brought up one of my sponsors 
and they knew all this stuff about my sponsor. And then I said, oh, cool. I said, what do you think the school of podcasting is? And they couldn't say much. And I was like, that's a problem. <laughs> the problem. Yeah. And so you'll notice about <laughs> eh, three-fourths of the time in a month, I will have a mid-roll. And the thing I do is there are there's features and then there's benefits. So the feature is step-by-step tutorials, uh, a Facebook group, and access to me. But that doesn't make people like, ooh. So if I say, okay, if you're thinking about, if you're worried about you're going to spend too much money on equipment or you're going to feel stupid because this and that, this is what people are worried about. Now that right. is solved by what? The step-by-step tutorials. And then if you are, if you're looking to bounce some ideas off people, we've got other brilliant podcasters in my private Facebook group. So you have to figure out there's a feature, but what's the benefit of a private Facebook group? What's Absolutely. The so that's the stuff. When I got out of college, I, I worked at a copier company. There was this wise old sales guy and he goes, yeah, you sell the sizzles, not the steak. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And uh, so maybe think about that a little bit. Like, okay. What is the benefit? Not so much the feature because uh, that doesn't make people bust out their wallet. But, and it, the other thing is that I've overcome and I've known, I used to teach sales many moons ago, but if you're, if your product is benefiting somebody, it wipes away the whole like, oh, I feel salesy because you're really just helping them. You're just right, making sure right. they have the right products. But it is, it's a hard mindset to, to get into, especially my background was in customer service where the customers are always right. And when you go into sales, it's not that you change that, but it's just a different way of approaching the, the customer. So. And for this show, there really isn't a course or anything like that I can create to sell that doesn't lend itself to one. This is really a uh, more like a sponsor driven type show where, you know, and I took it with this company I've been talking to recently and I don't hide my numbers. I just crossed in total 33,000 downloads. So again, it's not a ton of downloads, but I've been averaging about 87 a day, some days higher, some days a little bit lower, but about 87 a day. So I told them, I says, okay, if I, if I look at your spend rate, for the state of Michigan, as an example, to get your product in front of all the households on TV, you're going to spend X. And you have to hope that the person that needs your product is sitting there at that time on that channel. And I know TVs can slice and dice it a little bit, but when you start talking ankylosing spondylitis medication, I think you get a little more throwing a rock in a river. You're hoping that they're there versus I'm dialing down to the person that wants Doritos. And so you're going to spend a fortune to hope that person didn't get up during the commercial to go to the bathroom and miss that million dollars you spent for that one month's airtime. I said, where I've got 87 people that either are using your product, can use your product, or know somebody that can use your product that are listening to me 20 to 30 minutes a week I'm pumping right in their ears. And that's the problem with radio and television ratings is it's a sample of the market. And then it's an estimate of the amount of people or the number of people that listened or watched that particular program. And with podcasting, we have hard data. We know the exact number of people who downloaded the episode. We can't necessarily tell how many specifically listened to it. But we know that they are, they actually have it on their phone or their computer or wherever they're consuming it. We have right. that hard data that traditional media does not have. 
And so the way I was approaching it with them, I said, okay, these 87 people a day, that's let's say two and a half seminars. Would you like to market your product to two and a half seminars of people that need it or, or could use it versus let me throw a stone out there and hope the right person sees it. Yeah. And I said, so has it worked yet? No, I can't sell it advertising for me as a cost per thousand download because they'd give me a check for five bucks. It right. doesn't make any sense, but I have to sell it on the value that these people buy the medication that costs four five, six thousand $6,000 a month. And I can tell them 60% of those are in the United States, 15% are in Canada, X number in Australia. And these people are all going to hear your message. Yeah, yours is absolutely not. A cost per thousand makes sense when Blue Apron is buying a business show that's a generic show or a true crime show where it's a, a generic audience listening and you're selling a generic product like Audible or Blue Apron or something like that. Cost per thousand is a traditional media number. When you're out selling your specific show to a medication manufacturer for your specific disease, every single person that's listening to your show is a potential client. And that's not the case with cost per thousand shows. It's just, it's not apples to apples. Your message is so much more valuable to an advertiser than a message on television or radio. You can't sell it like television and radio. It was interesting when I approached this last advertiser, I approached with what to me sounded like a crazy amount of money. And now that we've backed out and it didn't work and I started thinking about it and really looking at some numbers, I said, you know what? I was way too cheap. That's it. I I see that way more than the opposite. And you're on the right track. The fun phrase is, what's your price per customer acquisition? That means how much do you spend to get a customer? And this is where if you can do something like a survey or find some sort of affiliate program that would really fit your audience, do a test run and see exactly how engaged your audience is. Because what you need to figure out is how many people can I send this person? And I just listened to an episode. It's, it's a podcast called The Business of Podcasting by a guy out of Australia named uh, Charlie something. And he interviewed the guy from Hrefs, which is this SEO company that spent like $200,000 on podcast advertising. And they said, the guy said, please quit thinking your sponsor is stupid. He goes, don't quote me monthly numbers because I know those sound great, but that he goes, I'm not going to sponsor your back catalog. He goes, you're, I'm going to sponsor your current episode. He goes, so I need to know your episode totals after 30 days. And he goes, if you want to give me the monthly totals and then the weekly totals, I can figure out how much of that is your back catalog, but that's what they're looking for. And if you can figure out how many people you can send them and then what their customer acquisition cost is, that'll get you in the ballpark because you want to create a win-win, actually a win, a win for you because you're going to pay, win for the advertiser because they're getting customers and your your, uh, listeners are getting the right product. What I did based on one of your shows is I started tracking the numbers and I set up a spreadsheet for seven day and 30 day Mm -hmm. and how many, and I know, uh, oh, Rob from Libsyn, I think Mm -hmm. the last time I listened to him and heard the stats it was like the average after 30 days for a show was 144 downloads that or is, somewhere in that neighborhood. That's the median. Or above and 50% or below. I want to say the average right now is around 1,500 because it used to be around 2,000. And then with everybody starting a new podcast, you have a bunch of new podcasters that aren't getting a lot of downloads. So the averages come down now. 
I think that average is actually an adjusted average because I believe yeah. Rob throws out the top 100 or top 1% and the bottom 1% or yeah. something like that when he calculates the average. But yeah, yeah it fluctuates around 14, 1500 well, as an average. I've never had a show that's even come close to yeah. 14 or 1500 downloads in a 30 day. Matter of fact, it takes about a year for me to cross a thousand downloads for an episode. And that's but why what I mean is so much more relevant to the everyday podcaster. Because if you look, Rob says that if you had more than, I think if you have more than a thousand downloads an episode, you're in the top 20% of all podcasters. So that upper echelon skews the average tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. And I took the median of the 144, 145, whatever it is, and figured, okay. I kind of just looked at that and said, here, just in June, and I clock them in red if they're going down or black if they're going up. And just in June, I had 207, 181, 244, and then 231 after seven days yeah. for, for show downloads per episode for the four episodes in June. And so I'm like, okay, those are ahead of the median. So I, I know I'm doing better than downloads for 50% of the show's regardless of what the, the topic is. Right. And 3% is often considered, wow, that's a great click-through rate or something like that. So if you take 200 and times it by 3%, it's six people. So if it's okay. six people per episode and their cost per acquisition is you know, 80 bucks, then we're in the $500 range per episode. If you can get you know people, the fun part is that six people per episode, but you get the same people listening every week. So if you get right. six the first episode, are you going to get six the next? And that's where I, in my book, Profit <laughs> from Your Podcast, coming out next month, Mark does it. Mark, I always want to say Bologna, but that's not it. But anyway, Mark from uh, Beyond Bourbon Street, he worked a deal with a hotel and they meet about every three months to go, do we need to raise the price, lower the price? And they just, they really partner with each other. So it gets, it's tricky with pricing. So, which is great. And I think for the, the larger drug manufacturers, I don't want to say they don't care, but let's use an example of say $5,000. Okay. If, if they put $5,000 into my show, that's not, they really don't care what the acquisition is out of that. Yeah. It's just a repetitively hearing the drug's name over and over on an episode by episode yeah. basis. That's really, they're not going to look at it like, Joe's hardware might look at it and say, how many rakes did I sell to your clientele? Yeah. Which there's nothing wrong with that. I think really for mine, it would be more of a, a name recognition. Yeah. Just they want that name set over and over. Yeah. There are two types of sponsors and that's the one you want. There is the one that's like the mom and pop shop. And they're like, gosh, if we sold 17 pairs of jeans, that would pay for the ad. And they're counting every single sale. Mm -hmm little high maintenance that way. And they're going to want lots of reports or you have, I call these branding people. They're like, we just need to get our name out there. And like, here's 50 grand, just say our name a bunch and they could care less. And that's, I was listening to uh, Jordan Harbinger who his primary income, he gets a gazillion downloads per episode. And he has, I think six spots per episode. And he, he was talking about, he goes, I, he goes, I don't want the person that's counting how many units were sold based per month. He goes, I want the guy that's here's, here's 20 grand. Talk about these jeans. Would you or talk about this ring or soap or whatever it is? So yeah, that's if, if you have a choice between two types of sponsors, go with the branding people, much more fun to work with. 
much and deeper really, pockets. Exactly. And that's really what that this show lends itself to is hopefully nobody is going to say, Jason, how many shots of X did you sell on a monthly basis? Instead, they should be looking at it no different than their TV commercials because they're really it's a brand awareness on TV as well right. because there's no way to track backwards on that. It's just throwing money at it to get our name out there as, as much as possible. And then me as the host, I have to deliver on, we mentioned your name five times per episode or three times, whatever the contractual obligation is. Yeah. Ask your doctor if such and such is right <laughs> yeah. for you. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. That's pretty much, you know, it's not even really as detailed as that. Yeah. But in talking with some of them, they have some scripts that they would like to be yeah. read. I, I held the, with this one I've been talking with now, I've told them, I don't want your pre-read commercials because those are too easy for people to just fast forward through. Let me read them. You give me what you want me to read. Yeah. Just some bullet points so you can make the story your own. Absolutely. Yeah. When, in radio, when we would do endorsements, we do a 60 second endorsement spot. The first 20 seconds would always be our story. Like how, what is our story in relation to the product? Paul Harvey used to do it so amazingly well. Like you were halfway through the commercial and you were like, oh, he got me again. This is a mattress commercial. Damn you, Paul Harvey. <laughs> you never knew. You that, never knew. What I was just thinking is take you back to Paul Harvey and, <laughs> and he would read this thing and you're like, he's telling me a commercial. <laughs> right. That bugger. Mel, Melba Jones of Auburn was cooking breakfast one morning and I'm like, oh, it's a story. No, it's a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So Jason, you've been at it for a little over a year now. What's next for the show? What's on the horizon? Really more of the same. I'm the first little bits were mostly discussing me or not discussing me, having me talk about anglosing spondylitis with maybe only a handful of interviews recently with everybody being home from the COVID stuff, I did my first, and I don't recommend this for editing purposes, but I did my first multi-person zoom call. Oh, wow. I did learn that zoom now lets you record on multiple tracks. I did not know this before I did the show. So that made yeah. editing even that much more fun, but future ones will now be on multi-track. That makes but, editing so much easier. Oh, yeah. So I went through and I had a woman from Ireland, a lady from Pennsylvania, two ladies from Canada, and a guy from St. Louis. And we just did a roundtable about what of all of our experiences were with ankylosing spondylitis and diagnosis. And it was fairly well received. Um, Good. I've, got, I've reached out to some more unique people. I have a interview I'm doing this week for an upcoming show all on... It's just kids around, plug your ears, all on intimacy, all on the <laughs> SEX. So for disabled people, there's different topics that you sit there going, oh, that makes sense. Let's do something on this. And so we're just going, there's, I can't say that I've got this master plan diagrammed out and some days I have a Sunday release and Thursday I'm going, huh, what's this week's episode going to be on? <laughs> <laughs> That's the great thing about a podcast. You can make it whatever you want. Here's a tip. If you're ever doing a show with more than two people on the show, whether it's co-hosts and guests or multiple guests, there's two things you need. One, you need a quarterback. You need somebody that's directing the show. Even if you're, if you have two co-hosts, one of you needs to be 
the one calling the shots. And then second, you need to use the other people, the names of the other people on the show so your listeners get to know who's talking and you need to call upon them rather than just talking, tossing a question out to the group. If you say, yeah, such and this and that, what do you guys think about that? And then somebody starts talking, two problems. One, multiple people will start talking at the same time. And two, your audience won't know who that is. So if the three of us are on the show, right on this particular show, Dave's the quarterback. Dave's the one that walks us in and out. He's the one that calls the shots. But if he were to ask questions of the group, if I were the quarterback, I would say, Dave, what are your thoughts on this and that and the other thing? And then that way Dave would talk. So now listeners get to know who Dave is by the sound of his voice because they associate the name with the voice. And Dave knows it's his turn to talk, so we're not talking over each other. So there always needs to be that quarterback to help direct the show. It makes things so much easier. And so I've got another one of those coming up planned, but it's going to be all women. And then I'll moderate, which is could be interesting, but I'm going to moderate a a panel of all women, and then hopefully I do another one of moderating a panel of all men. I just love that you're trying new things. So many people say, what's the ideal format of the show? And I go, I don't know, whatever you like, just try it. If you don't like it, try something else. Like you, you got to try all the formats until you figure out if you like the round table, if you like the solo show, if you like a one-on-one interview, if you like a co-host situation, try it all until you find the one you like and then stick with it. Yeah. And if you look at my episodes, they're all over the board for time frames. Some are 10, 12 minutes long. Others are 45, 50 minutes long. I've decided that I'll let you, the listener, decide if this is worth 55 minutes of your time or is it worth 20 minutes of your time. When I did my first podcast, man, I stuck right to that. I, I needed to be an hour and 20 minutes. And I found out that creates a lot of work on me. <laughs> it only needs to be engaging. Yeah. There's no magic time. As long as you're holding yeah. the attention of your listener. So I walked away. Yeah, exactly. And, and taking the school of podcasting, even though I took it all the four years ago, I think it was four years ago, I walked away and there's still things that are etched in my mind. Own your RSS feed. Don't let anybody else have it. <laughs> it's yours. You did all the work. Don't give it to anybody else. It's not worth free hosting to let somebody else own your RSS feed. Maybe you ought to start having class reunions for the School of Podcasting. <laughs> that yeah. graduated. You've been running it for so long. <laughs> you need to put a shirt that says School of Podcasting like you have on the front right there. Yeah, yeah. And on the back, own your RSS. Yeah, alumni or something. Yeah. Yeah. Class of 2008. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it really, I had talked before I found Dave's class, I had talked with another person who wanted an, what I considered at the time an inordinate amount of money to learn podcasting. And even coming in now, I see people going, well, I bought this equipment. I bought this equipment. How do you set it up? And they're like, how do you do yours? I said, I plug a USB mic into my MacBook (laughs) Pro and start recording in Skype. Yes, And that's really as technical as I get. And I'm lazy. It all goes into audacity after that. And Steve Stewart has helped me with some audacity stuff. And I know I bought Hindenburg Journalist. I have the high-end version of it. I don't want to use it. I have GarageBand. I've got these different tools, but I'm just too lazy to go out and figure out how to use them until Audacity forces me to. It's one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Right. uh, Right. 
So if, if you were to, cause you said when we started here, you, you didn't really know if anybody was going to listen, what would you say to Jason a year ago? Like you today, is there anything you would do differently or don't worry so much about that? Focus more on, and not that the show has to be perfectly edited. There can be some ums, there can be some ahs. People are forgiving about that kind of stuff. You just can't have, I, it can't be every word. It can't be like that, but I would be more learning the nuances of engaging with people, marketing the show. The content will come. You can make the content. That's really, that's the easy part. It's trying to get out there and talk to people and say, here's what I have. And here's someone to market it. And here's what we're doing. And do you want to listen? And I would have spent right from the beginning, from the beginning, doing exactly what Eric's talked about with marketing it and hammering home a direct message about, here's how you come onto the show. Here's the website. Here's the email or the the email list to sign up for, boom, three or four bullet points that I just hit consistently in every show. And I say this a year plus later, and I'm still not doing it, even though I'm preaching to do it. So that's one of my things as I'm working through this fall to really focus on is that at three or four bullet points of the show to go to the website, sign up for the newsletter and subscribe to the show and just do that. Yeah, spend some time working on the show. So you're, you're marketing it and getting people aware of it. Fantastic. Anything that, any questions or anything we can help you with as you're continuing on the journey? Not that comes to the top of my mind, but unfortunately Dave knows this. Uh, he'll get random emails from me then. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I ran across this. How do you fix it? How do you, what do you know about this? What do you know about that? And then don't like, feel bad. Dave gets random emails from me too. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, well, I've never met Dave or you in person. I feel like you guys are buddies because I listen to you every week. So I, it, it. I don't necessarily, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. It's not that I couldn't stand to lose a good 60, 80 pounds. And so the other day I was like, let's listen to Dave's weight loss podcast just for kicks and giggles. I might go back and listen to more. I might not. But it's not that I'm listening to somebody I don't know. I'm listening to a friend show. So in both you guys, it's if I hit something I'm like, oh, that was a good point. I need to ask about that. Or I saw this piece of equipment. Dave, have you used this? What's it? Yay or nay? And it just random things like that come up. But in my mind, we talk every week, <laughs> even though we're not talking every week. And that's what right. I so that's the power of podcasting right there is that. Dave and I don't, we've never, let me rephrase that. We've talked on the phone once. You and I have talked on the phone once, Eric, you and I. But in my mind, and I'm hoping my listeners' minds, we talk every week. It's like talking to a family member. We talk every week. I talk to you guys more than I talk to some family. (laughs) I, I, I had a listener of mine once, Tim Dewey from the Sled Dog Podcast. And he said, he goes, my best friend lives about three blocks to the right. And he goes, I bet I talked to him once a month, if I'm lucky, because they both have kids and things like that. He goes, I talk to you once a week. And he goes, because I'll listen to your show. I'll send you a voicemail. He goes, and you'll re- either reply right there or you reply in your podcast. He goes, so by the end of the month, I've talked to you like four or five times. And he uh-huh. goes, I'm, I'm more in connection with you than I am the guy that lives. Like he goes, I could throw a stone and hit his house if I tried real hard. So that's the power of podcasting. It's, it's a uh, time shifted conversation. So that's awesome. And that's so. what I hope my listeners take away from it is I might not personally talk to Jason, but 
every week we have a discussion on this ankylosing spondylitis that I'm going through that nobody else understands or nobody that I know understands. But I have a conversation with Jason about it where I can sit there on the, and I'm listening as I'm driving down the road and I'm going, yes, that's me. That's, and I get to work and I'm going, somebody understands the, the grief or the yeah. issues or whatever. Yeah. In their head, they're saying, he gets right. me. Yep. He's my people. That's awesome. So that's really in four plus years, four years of doing this. That's really the, the thing I take away. And I, I think both of you have talked about that before in multiple episodes and it's just focus on the people, the shows will come. Anybody that's new, don't worry about your stats. Yes, we want to see thousands and thousands of <laughs> downloads per day. If you get two, that's two people you touch that listen to your show that might not have, you don't know what kind of day those two people were having. You don't know what you did for those two people. Maybe you'll hear from them. Maybe you won't. Maybe they'll become listeners, but you touch two people that day. Whether it's two people or 200 people, you're touching people's lives on a daily basis. And that's where I'd really easier said than done being into it. The number of years I am, but that's really where new podcasters should focus. And then the last question I want to ask you, I think on the episode, when we listened to you, you were thinking about reaching out. There was some big like national agency. I don't know. Remember the name of it. That was for the disease. And you were Mm -hmm. thinking about reaching out to them. Did you ever do that? I did. We talked a couple times. And I never heard back from them. So they apparently didn't like my pitch. And maybe it was that I offered it to them for free. And maybe free made them think that there was no value there. And I walked away and said, okay, that's fine. It's neither here nor there. And I just keep doing what I'm doing. There you go. And and sometimes no isn't really no. It's not now. It's exactly what I told you. I was 18 episodes, 17, 18, 19 episodes in. They look at that and say, He's 17, 18, 19 episodes in. You know, this guy's not even wet behind the ears, so to speak. But he's too new to even be new. And now I come back at him 60 to 70 episodes deep. And now they start looking and going, huh, that's 50 episodes. I could have had my message out there that I missed. And that's something I would put in the email. (laughs) Oh, it will. 50 episodes at a much cheaper price. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 33,000 downloads into it. Uh-huh. Uh, now, now do you want to jump aboard? <laughs> yeah. And to give the other company credit, the one that finally stepped away, I was only averaging like 35 downloads a day. You know, that that is a seminar that doesn't get a multi-global corporation excited to say, yeah, I'll put your message in front of 35 people a day on average. Yeah. That, and again, if they're not advertising in your back catalog, they're not getting any, they're getting 10 in the latest episode, but they didn't advertise in the back. So that's where that 35 number gets a little little sketchy. sketchy, Yeah. Yeah. So So now I go to them and say, now I'm doing 87 a day, but guess what? 70% of those are past shows that you're not in. Yeah. This is so, what I get per, this is my downloads per episode. Awesome. Again, the, the website is spondypodcast.com. If you are a person that has, I'm going to try this again, ankylosing spondylitis, or if somebody that is, uh, you're caring for caregiver. somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Tune into uh, Jason's show. And uh, Eric, where can people find you? You can find me anytime you'd like over at podcasttalentcoach.com. You can find me at schoolofpodcasting.com. And of course, if you want your show reviewed, this is just a, we're just catching up with Jason. Jason, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. I, again, 
your two podcasts, as far as the business of podcasting, you two guys, if you looked at my library of podcasts, your two shows are the only podcasting shows besides this one other little daily couple minute one. Yeah. We appreciate you listening. It means the world to us, every single listener. So the fact that you're there every week supporting us means a lot. Thank you. And you can get reviewed. Just simply go to podcastreviewshow.com and we'll hear your smiling voice right here on the podcast review show. Thanks so much for listening. And until the next episode, remember, there's always room for improvement.